Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. There is absolutely no psychological fear and you are beyond all gods. And God said he should send his one begotten son to lead the wild into the ways of the man. What does it matter? Our home, our nation, all the things we believe in are in great danger. Overtake, subjugate, and back to destroy another. The plane ride into the World Trade Center. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast, Idiotic Ideologies. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, Chelsea Sanchez, who is the program director of CASA of McLennan County. And the reason why we have invited Chelsea to come on to the podcast today is because the focus is going to be on compassion. So that is what the discussion is going to be revolving around today. Chelsea has some very interesting stories, I'm sure. Uh, don't worry, I won't put you on the spot too much. <laughs> and and um, a very interesting background that deals a lot with this, this very important topic. So um, I'm here with my host, Josh. Yes, and uh, b- b- before we get into it, I, I did want to kind of preface for the audience and then just for everybody that as we come together and talk about compassion, that none of us are, are coming from a place where we can say, I, th- I think we know what compassion is, because at, at, at that line, it just kind of creates this conflict, it creates this, this division between superiority. So us as ordinary people have invited Chelsea on because she observes things that most of us don't through our lives, and uh, it's very important that we have that awareness of what's going on. Yes. I agree. Okay, Chelsea, I understand this is your first podcast. Yes. <laughs> Don't be nervous. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> Don't be nervous. That's great. It'll be a piece of cake. You'll be an old pro by the time this is all done. Um, all right. I'm just going to start with a couple of general questions. Um, it says here, I looked on the CASA website, that you have over seven years' experience working with at-risk children, youth, refugees, and survivors of human trafficking. And that you're also mm-hmm. a first-generation high school and college graduate. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm the first-generation woman to first graduate from high school. And then to go on to college, and I think I just experienced, uh, I just grew up in, uh, you know, poverty, really hard situation. But the one thing my parents always taught me was just to love and be kind and to treat other people with dignity and respect. And so that was just a value that I've always carried with me. And and I do have the legacy of both my mom and my grandma working at the Salvation Army for, uh, my grandma actually just retired a couple years ago and then my mom for um, 19 years at the Salvation Army. So I was always um, serving, always um, just participating in serving the homeless, always just doing things like that. And so 
um, I think it was just how I grew up, um, just the love and support, and then that definitely just guided me throughout my life, and had an opportunity to go to Baylor, and um, studied social work there, and I loved it with all my heart, and got to get my master's as well, my husband did not want me to, <laughs> um, but yes, and so um, just having the opportunity to, again, just uh, develop more practical skills and more knowledge around human behavior, and trauma, and different aspects of um, human life, and then how do we serve them naturally as well, so I had the opportunity to serve them in youth that are at risk, and then I currently work in the foster care system, so serving children who have experienced abuse and neglect, and then um, having that overseas, and I work um, doing refugees, and so mm. live and work in the camps alongside people who have slept and harmed people with war and violence and other things um, like that, and as well as spent the last year serving survivors of military abuses in El Paso. Oh, really? Yeah. We, we have human trafficking. I must be naive. We, do we have a human trafficking problem here in Waco? Yes. Yes, we do. Really? Yes. So I would say we have a trafficking problem everywhere in the world. Um, but, yeah, we definitely have one here in El Paso. Wow. Is that typically like, that? that I mean, my first thought is like, that's kidnapping. Like, yeah. th- I mean, I'm guessing that's what goes on. People literally, well, I guess we'll see a kid by, by themselves or, and, and they just straight up just run it and, and take the kid and that could happen i, 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 I yeah how, how is the the structure of that human yeah, trafficking? So there's, yeah there's a, there's a lot into human trafficking i bet so there's a lot of manipulation and things i don't know yeah. it's just not i'm gonna run and, and take you and no, put you in a van yeah no, i don't, I don't yeah. know yeah. so that happens but it's very rare so that would probably be um i wouldn't say it's a myth because it it does happen but that's more of the rare um occasions of human trafficking so Human trafficking, um, it includes sex trafficking, adult infant trafficking, and it's just the forced fraud and coercion of um, sexual acts or gender acts. And so when we involve a minor, um, you don't have to prove forced fraud or coercion. It just has to be a commercial sex act. So that's a sex act, whether that's truancy, whether that's pornography, whether that's actual um, sex. It just has to be some type of sex act in exchange for something of value. And so when we're thinking about youth, um, when we're thinking about children in foster care, um, you know, children are coming out of hard situations and they run away, you know, and they need to meet their basic needs. And so maybe someone says to them when they're a kid, you know, you can stay here if you do X, Y, Z for me. And so, so that happens. And then you also just have a lot of vulnerability. So whether or not they run away, we have a lot of children who are just experiencing hard things, anxiety. Um, feeling alone, feeling kind of scared when oh. no one understands them. And someone comes along and says, you know, comes in is, you know, what they've always been looking for, right? A friend, um, a boyfriend, someone who cares about them. Um, and then somewhere along the way, they use violence or other different tactics to um, just get them into life that doesn't support what they believe is a loving relationship, but it's more abuse. Mm-hmm. So. That's some good insight because you know sex trafficking. You typically think of um these kids are there, there's a, a a sex ring, and then they're being shipped to Mexico or, or somewhere. But it includes. Oh, it's happening here. It, but yeah. it, and it also includes on the small scale of just like like you said, I take you in and then I manipulate you to do certain X, Y, and Z uh, to yeah, yeah. Earn, earn earn what I'm providing you in that moment. Okay, oh, yeah. that's what happens in families. Actually. That's good to be aware of. Yeah. 
So do you think that these children in foster care are more vulnerable to things like that? I won't say everyone's vulnerable, but yes, children um, in foster care do have heightened vulnerability, um, whether that be, like I said, because, you know, even just wanting to fit in at school is a really big thing. I think that's right. something that we don't understand. You know, we're having most, a lot of the families that we work with do not come from very low income areas. And sometimes we want to judge them and say, Yes. Because we're judging them on how they're spending their money, but then we also don't realize for a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old in a school setting where peers or friendships are the most important to them, and the mom is having to make a choice of, well, I can't buy you food, but I know how much fitting in at school is going to fill this hunger. So let me buy you the pair of shoes or the new iPhone that you've been wanting. Mm -hmm. Right? We're judging them on that when in reality, food is important it's a big deal i want them to have food but mm-hmm. you know they're also saying this is discrimination against this family and that makes that's a really good point i mean i i've been in the heb checkout line and had people mumble ahead of me when they see somebody pay with food stamps and say you know well why are they buying this or that you know why are they buying cookies you know and it's like well you know it's really none of your business <laughs> show a little compassion you do not know the entire story of this family so that's a really excellent point um, can, can, can i say and so with um i mean i'm i lost my, my train of thought um i was gonna say with um oh so with with when you your your work as a social worker um and you know it kind of goes into education, but w- why does it seem like adults? And I would I would say it's, it's I mean we're kind of all guilty of it uh, with with parents, no matter if they're rich or poor, where they w- when they when they communicate with their kid, there seems to be this lack of awareness, or or it's it's like a, a an atrophy of when I talk to you, I'm, I'm I understand that looking a certain way provides a certain value, but when I, but we're gonna, I'm gonna conversate with you in a way like, all right, to to, to have conversations with my kids, t- to show them that no matter what they say at school, like I understand that's tough for you, but I wanna, I want to have com- communication with my kid on the fact of that that value is not in that, mm-hmm. and somehow get, getting deep with the kid, and I, and I know it's hard for kids to, to wrap their heads around it because they're like, but mom, I'm I, it, I'm getting ridiculed, I, I I'm feeling alone and. For, for the parent to somehow have a certain, I guess the word would be education, to talk to that kid and it, it communicate in a different quality with, except for feeling pain for the kid. All right, I'm, I'm going to work two jobs now to buy you Jordans. Instead of saying that same effort of working two jobs, I'm going to put that in effort into my communication, not just with you, but with your school, with the teachers, but come from a place of, of not uh, aggression, but from a place of, Look, teachers, like we, we all want to think like we're doing right now, thinking together about why this is going on. Um, what's your perspective on? on I, I think that gets a little um, tricky, right? Because mm-hmm. we all carry our own values and our own. Um, Don't we want to stop that since it's, it, we see how it's such conflict and it's such a, a ridiculous thing to uh, keep feeding that monster, so to speak, of, of value in what I wear, value in my money, value in 
when the value is in my my quality of life and and in this word compassion and to, to the compassion has been so ran over and so spit on and, and this word seems to not carry any more value and and um that's where my concern is and, and where my um com- <laughs> compassion comes from you know to to yeah, w- w- what is the hold up of that Well, I just didn't know if your perspective or like, uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed something that that might be, uh, I know, and I know it's a deep question, but it was just something I, I kind of wanted <laughs> yeah. to touch on, but, but at least we understand right each other in, in that way. Of, <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying, the effort of, and that, that pain to then still feed the monster, so to speak, yeah. and put in, but instead, no, I'm going to, I'm going to put working two jobs. I have that time. I'm going to go to your school and I'm going to, we're going to talk to the kids together. We're going to talk to the teachers together and we're going to sit there. And even though we might disagree and boom, 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 uh, there's, there's no violence there. There's nothing. We're, we're going to spend two hours, three hours to, until we get to a certain quality of this real word compassion and what that means and, and how that quality of life is. It's not, it's not just a word I throw around. It's a quality that, that I step into. It's not an experience. It's a, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and that goes back. <laughs> it's, no, worth no. Say, it's worth saying, I, I would hope, but I, I just, I didn't know if you had something to say regarding that, like why, why we are, have this wall up that we can't get past. I think there's a lot of things. I don't know. I wanna no, 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 no. I, I was just going to say what goes, what Josh is, is kind of, you know, leading right into is um, I know that part of your mission statement at CASA is seeing the person behind the behavior Mm -hmm. and I think that's what it really speaks to Um, demonstrate compassionate understanding of the experiences and the emotions of the person and so yes I'm I'm sure that you try to get parents on board with that teachers on board with that social workers on board with that and um, is is that kind of in line with with what you do at CASA yeah definitely I would say one of the areas that I focus a lot in is trauma and how does trauma affect people? Um, how does it affect human behavior? How does it affect our thoughts? Um, and so one of my favorite stories that I um, like to tell just because it was really impactful for me and something that I've carried into doing my, um, doing my master's degree in high school now is that they were, I was interning at a school in Houston for third grade board and that's a predominantly African-American community, low income, has a rich history in the Orthodox community, but it's even today, it's still a low income community where a lot of those children don't receive the quality education. They don't have all of their basic needs met. And here we have this private school um, in this area that exclusively serves children in low income, from low income families. And so um, predominantly, as a five-year-old, the social work, um, school social worker was the clinician at the time, and um, and I was working with this five-year-old um, who was in PK-4, so we already know that he has already been held back a grade, um, and it's and we're just getting into pre-K, right? We're not even in first grade yet. Wow. So here, here is this five-year-old already being held back, um, sweetest, sweetest kid, you know, ever, and I'm observing his point, I'm working with him, and we're just trying to understand, um, you know, what is he gaining already as a five-year-old, and how is that already beneficial to him? And so as 
between the plate and his plane, the pit slid between the shuttles and his classroom. From his plate, a twin plane found a rescue, his mother, and the domestic helper of the teacher came in. Mm. So we are we're already seeing wow. how trauma and how violence and how and you know how does one get to get through the coming on days? Plates are too small, no backpacks. Um, right. So we already know what trauma how does that impact you? And so um, one day as I was unpacking Caleb's play, um, he goes into the bathroom because there's bathrooms inside um, the classroom for teacher. Um, and so there's a, obviously private bathrooms. And he goes in and then he comes out and then the teacher goes in and gets his head. And then he gets out of the bathroom and he urinated all over the bathroom. Oh, no. And um, the teacher gets frustrated, takes all the kids out to recess, but is, you know, yeah. So... And just points to the window, telling the teacher where it's at. And my response was, of course, I got down on my knees, right? Because I don't want to create that barrier of um, I'm not better than you, or I'm, I'm the adult and I know what's right. I just wanted to understand, you know, what happened to me to to do this behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, so I get down on my knees. He doesn't want to look me in the eyes, you know, right away. He pushes that down. I'm like, okay, I'm not in trouble. I just want to make sure this happened. And, you know, I didn't even take 30 seconds, and he eventually told me, well, someone called me nasty, right? So another little student in the class called him nasty. And his response was, because we're humans, right, and our, you know, we have an active little nervous system. Something happens, um, and that creates a thought in our head, and then that thought leads into our behavior. Just showing the brain and how powerful the brain is. Right, and just how we're all just humans. Um, And his activated nervous system knows who it was in front of him. And so then he develops this belief that I'm nasty. I'm not worthy. I'm nasty. So if I'm nasty, then I'm going to do nasty things. And then that leads to him urinating all over the bathroom. And once you understand that, you know, then you're what do you do besides just, you know, encouraging him to say, hey, that's, that's not your identity. That's Show compassion. Yeah, <laughs> and compassion is action, right? Sometimes yeah. we think compassion is just um, I feel for you or I understand or um, I hear what you're feeling. But, yes, it's those things, but it also leads to them doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And so then my encouragement, you know, was then to talk to the teachers and, have a better understanding of what's happening in this classroom. You know, what can we change? What do we do? What can we change in the classroom so that every student feels welcome, loved, valued, and knows joy in this world? I think that's a, a marvelous story because <laughs> as we as we uh, interact with people, we we tend to stay stuck in that moment, especially with adults. They're like, "Why don't you know better?" But we never go to the beginning and say, "Okay, well, first of all, I don't know nothing about how you were raised." But I, I'm capable, I'm aware, and, and I understand, and I know that how we are raised affects our upbringing. But again, something within humans, as we get older, we, we neglect all that. The, the atrophy, the, the, the attention span diminishes. And so when I, when, just like you said, when you look at everybody from uh, the, the whole, I'm not looking at your life from this instant. I'm looking at understanding how you were raised, how you were probably uh, ridiculed and beat up on as a kid because you came from a less income family and um, I'm looking at all of that when I engage with everybody. I, to to look at everybody from th- this word, when I say the whole, 
I want to not just interact with you in that moment, but for, for anybody from murderers to um, rapists from just, I, I use, I use those examples because those are the ones that we tend to have so much aggression and hate towards and say they should die. And we're not looking at, all right, we need to fix this problem is not to kill or to have death penalties or to go to war. It's to, if I tr truly say I have compassion, I'm going to go to the very beginning. I'm going to uh, make that effort to solely devote my 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 attention to, to this, which uh, I, I want to clear. That doesn't mean that I live my life without, you know, uh, I live my life from disregarding things as far as what, what I enjoy or, or, or these kind of things. But I'm not chasing that. I'm actually chasing love. I'm actually chasing compassion. And in that way, th there's that quality there where now when I look at you, when I look at anybody, I don't have an image to you. I don't say you are this. I say I'm just like you. And, and I look at the whole. I mean, yeah, this, so that was a great example. And I, I just wanted to clarify on that. So. Yeah. I don't want that for anybody, whether mm -hmm. it's a child or an adult. Um, I would say it's easier for us to show compassion to the children because we can look at them and say, well, the innocence. Yeah, yeah, they're innocent. Um, they haven't been corrupted with. Yeah, uh, what it, yeah. You know, whatever it is. And, um, and it is harder for us to show compassion for the parents. Um, but just like you were saying, Josh, um, we have to understand that they. They have their own trauma mm -hmm. in their life. And one thing um, we know about trauma is if, if you don't find healing and restoration from those things, you're actually stuck in um, at that um, age of development when you experience the trauma. Oh, you're so telling me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everybody's so childish yeah. with the way we bicker for the most part. I mean, even me, I'm, I'm going to always throw myself in the category because we're ordinary people too. But but there is definitely the, the attention that I feel like uh, that we've come together even to, to we're trying to hold attention to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, and, and we hold attention to that. We hold space for people to oh. just heal, right? That's what we want. We want people to, um, to yeah, stay secure in themselves and to grow into who they, who they want to be, not who I want you to be. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get in our expectations of who other people should be instead of just letting it be who they want to be. We're supposed to act. It, we're supposed to be compassionate and forgiving and love, right? We're chasing those things. And those expectations we put on other people, I, we always fall short of those. I mean, to say somebody's this and that I'm not that, to separate myself from that is is ridiculous. Like, you're a human being, too. Like, like watch yourself just as much. And when you do that, you, I think it just dissolves this judgment of people. Because you are you, you you we're in the society we're in the world. How are you going to escape that? How are you going to say I don't pay taxes to the government that goes to war? How are you going to say that I, I'm uh, I, I'm still involved in this petty political thing of Democrat Republican and, and all these sides, this division, this split? You are a part of that. So, um, yeah, these expectations we all fall short, and and admitting that is just an, uh, the first step to start dissolving. Uh, wh what I want to say, like this, this becoming, I want this world to become this. I want, I, and we want unity. We all want that. We want, we want compassion. We want to find love, but we get stuck in, all right, I'm doing something you're not doing and I have compassion and you don't. And it's like, oh my, that's, that's uh, childish. I'm this, you're that, this is mine, this is yours. I'm curious. Uh, what happened to the little boy? I wish I could say <laughs> all I know is that I cried so much when I, I bet you did. He was just, he even drew me in. All of my students came together and drew pictures of me that 
advise her put together my little booklet and she looked at me and said it's beautiful oh my gosh so you still have it yeah, right I still have you it. cherish mm. it. So, it so those experiences in houston and those experiences growing up where it sounds like you were just immersed in in a culture of serving others did are, are these the types of things that really influenced you to um go to work for casa definitely say so I think um just the values and the relational you know aspects of my family you know are what I still carry today and you know in serving and loving other people it's what motivates me to literally to do anything and everything that I do and so um you know just such a rich opportunity to be um a part of CASA and you know to continue that um through the people that I serve. Mm -hmm. And for the people who don't know, because I keep saying, we're saying CASA, CASA, you know, for the people (laughs) who don't know what CASA is and what they do, can you just briefly explain a little bit about what CASA is and what it does? Definitely. So we, CASA McKinney County is a local program. And so um, there's there's a national CASA as well as a Texas CASA. And so we serve under both of those um, branches or, programs, um, but there's a lot of um, local programs in different counties. And so what are, so CASA stands for Current Appointed um, Special Advocate. And so what that means is that, you know, a judge will appoint us on um, cases of abuse and neglect to be an advocate for the children um, involved in that case. Um, But with that comes the responsibility of, you know, um, working working with the families, working with the other professionals, working alongside CPS, working alongside judges, working alongside lawyers, working alongside anyone who's involved in this child's life to find um, the best kind of place for them. Whether that be foster care, whether that be returning to the family, um, you know, whatever it is, what's the best option, you know, we're going to be there with the child and the family and not for them, but without that's good. So they're an integral part of the decision-making process. Mm-hmm. I saw here that, I don't know if this is correct, there are 700 children in foster care in McLennan County alone. There are a lot of children. You wouldn't say so, but yes. And then, you know, if you add on to that, just given experiencing homelessness um, and just a lot of other, you know, really hard things. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot of really good children in our community. We got to step up our compassion. <laughs> 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 so, so, so how does that work? So you got 700 kids and, you, and you're saying within with all those kids, there's this constant, um, they're, they're, they're going back and forth talking to lawyers and, and the judges, or, or, I, or I guess there's paperwork. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm trying to get a little bit more specific of yeah, understanding. Yeah. Like how does that all, that seems like yeah, so a really daunting task. To <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so we don't, um, Cosmo County doesn't serve all 700 kids. Make your plug. (laughs) (laughs) No psychological fear. So, what would a volunteer do? I come to you and um, what am I doing? You're the one who's working. You're the advocate for the child. Oh, and you're going to the judge and and yeah, you're going to the court. So then it's my job to get to know that kid as much Mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. Is that just through interactions, or is there paperwork that kind of describes the kid's personality? Yeah. So you'll do post. Um, you know, 
work, you'll be assigned a supervisor who will work with you gradually and type out. Uh, so you're not by yourself, but you as the advocate would be the one who is meeting with children on a monthly basis. With, with the counselor or with the, the other person that you uh, just mentioned? The supervisor? Yeah, the supervisor. You can't, yeah, they're oh. more than welcome to come. It just depends on your comfortability. Is that done there at, at the CASA, like in a, a room, or is that something that's done? So you usually um, go out to the child and work with them. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's, it's advocacy work. And so that's cool. going huh? out into the community, getting to know the children, just understanding who they are, what they like, and what do they want, um, mm-hmm. and then advocating for um, those desires um, on behalf of the child and with the child in court um, and, you know, meetings and different things like that. Yeah, I've I'm still toying with the idea of being a, a, a CASA volunteer. Definitely. I, I mean, it it just seems like what you're doing is so necessary and it's such good work. Um, do you have any success stories you can share? I don't think we can share them, but we okay. do have success sure. stories. <laughs> and one of my favorite um, aspects um, was just this Christmas, being able to um, have a lot of different able to gather the Christmas gifts that the children were receiving, send them out to the volunteers who would then go purchase those, um, bring them back wrapped, and then we would, you know, go and deliver them, you know, to them at, you know, their caseload. And that was really, How really fun. exciting. And I, you know, I don't have any cases on my caseload because I supervise the supervisors, um, but I got to take some Christmas gifts to one of the children that we served, and it was just a, such a sweet, happy moment. Oh. See, that's a success story. Yeah. You made that child's day. <laughs> We're so not asking for names or anything <laughs> here. So, so for someone like me that, that maybe is just real busy, but, but I do want to understand more of this because I want to understand that this, this whole um, just conflict within th- th- this, this that happens. Uh, is there a way that I could kind of come in and more, like maybe I'm just really busy with life and things like that. So I guess to be a volunteer, but to not take on that, that role of, because it just it would seem very daunting. I mean, as you've explained it, like okay, if I'm going to volunteer, it, it seems like a lot of load that I have to take on. But I, I do want to still expose myself to to that. I'm going to use the word suffering, but that, that that actually goes on in the world instead of you know we we tend to really get. Um, I think the brain it's just surviving. It, it pushes out all that, that that that's going on. So without being aware of that, how am I supposed to have the compassion to act? And um, so is there is there something that I, that I could do from that? To where I could understand more about, uh, wh- yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So we actually are um, hoping and are um, to start what we're going to call the ambas- ambassador program, to where if um, an individual just doesn't have enough time to, you know, to be comfortable. And I will say we only assign one case to an advocate, so it's not like you're going to come in and volunteer with us and have ten cases on your caseload. Wow. Because it is a volunteer. <laughs> you know, we recognize this volunteer-based program. And so, um, you know, um, but with that, the ambassador program would be getting more involved, but maybe you can help us, you know, stack a table at an event, you know, once every couple of months, learn more about our And I could still get to know the kids and well, you the circumstance, or maybe I, I, would sti- I would still be somehow able to, I guess, talk to you and talk to people about those circumstances that are going on. Um, yeah, and just getting a better understanding. The, the, the trauma and the... Yeah. And, and, and 
possible. So there's, it sounds like there's a lot of volunteer opportunities. Yes. Yeah. And, and I do know one thing about the advocates, because I looked into it a little bit um, a few years back, they get extensive training. Yeah. They yeah. don't, you just don't throw people into the, <laughs> into no, the court system. Definitely not. Kids. And I, I as, <laughs> as a social worker, would not agree with that if that happened. Yeah, so no. yeah. they do um, receive 30 hours and it has to be complete before they can even come into contact with a child. Um, they have to complete 30 hours um, prior to starting their advocacy work and then maintain um, 12 hours of a continuing education every year. I, I would consider that for somebody that, that that's truly serious about finding out what love, finding out what compassion is to um, to take that step for that 30 hours. Because, look, it's 30 hours. I'm pretty sure it's not like you got to do this 30 hours within two weeks or, or, or there's, I mean, there's probably some timeline. There's but a you timeline, but yeah, you still but have a couple. Within two days. Yeah. yeah what, 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 <laughs> no. What, what, what is the timeline? Well, the, the, um, the most that I could. Well, um, it's it's scheduled. And so okay. um, it's about two hours uh, once a week for a couple of weeks. I would encourage that because please, if, if, if you if you somehow just feel like I, I, I'm trying to be attentive of this, but I just I just my day, my kids, everything's um, I, 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 it's, uh, I just know that there's something there that's kind of prohibiting prohibiting me from that. Well, then, boom, here's your community. Here's an excellent way to. Uh, put that attention in your, in your brain and to say this is a real thing going on and it's happening everywhere in the world and your kids aren't safe because then there's no security in this world when you when we're perpetuating the same things when I ignore the problem and I try to do everything I can to say my kids are the most important thing but then again wars can be come around uh, s sex trafficking is, is a thing so how do I, how am I actually trying to solve the problem instead of just saying well I'm I'm just gonna isolate myself here but I say that I love and, and I have compassion. But yeah, so here's here's a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Volunteer but for CASA. somehow put, Definitely. put yourself in a situation where the, the suffering is in your face. Boom. Exactly. This is the world that your kids are living in. Mm -hmm. and, and you're not solving the problem by um, ignoring it or by saying I have a gun and I'm going to protect my kids at all costs. Like you're you're, you're perpetuating the violence. And something we don't, you know, fully understand, especially, w you know, when we're thinking about trafficking is sometimes we think trafficking um you have to be taken across what we've already said, state lines or mm -hmm. across country lines. When I know of children who have been trafficked in their own homes, right? Mm. Because they build this trauma bond with um, the perpetrator. And that person is able then to convince that, you know, individual to engage in pornography in their own room, right? Mm. You said it because they, they feel like they, they are that. Like the, 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 the parents already told them or they feel like th that's who they are. Like you said with the kid, uh, they called him disgusting. So he peed off. Their brains are so moldable at that age. So you can't, you can't blame the kid or, or say that, well, why don't they do something? It's, they can't. They don't know better. They Just like all of us, that even adults just, don't know better. They're just looking for love yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, friendship somewhere. And this person came in, you know, pretending to be what they wanted when they had an intention the entire time. It's so hard to find honesty and truth. And, and we end up finding it in, in places that don't even have it. And uh, that's just the way our brains are. Yeah. I have a question. This all brings it up, you know. Um, you're, you're dealing with uh, parents. Mm -hmm. and parents that are really messed up. Um, do you find it difficult to show compassion to difficult people? I, for me, I would say no. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say then your compassion can't be there if it, you find it difficult. But I will say that um, it, it happens, you know, it, it can it can happen in 
um, yeah, it, it can happen, but I would say that it's not difficult for me. Um, again, I think it just ties back to how I was raised and just understanding that there's more going on than I can even just see. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the values, you know, that my family instilled in me of just treating, you know, just treating people as people and just understanding we've all gone through hard things. I think, I think when you say that you're, you're showing how, how, that we are human. Okay. So you might have a natural response to, um, a, a parent that's done this abuse to to a kid. Um, but now you also have this, I think this quality of compassion that just overshadows that. And you know that, okay, I'm, I'm a, I'm a human. I have thoughts. I have, I have tendencies. I have biological feelings to want to react, but when I really have compassion and love that overshadows that. And so I don't, um, I just, there's not a knowing better. There's just like compassion is there. Yeah. And And it it can get hard. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the clients I've worked with literally cussed me out for like 30 minutes on the phone. And that was hard. That was hard. Mm-hmm. It wasn't here. It wasn't at Casa McLennan County, um, you know, but that was hard. And I had to stop, go for a walk and then say, I'm not in it for me. I'm in it, you know, to help and to serve and to care for other people. Um, and so I still showed up. I may, I could have made the choice to not show up, um, but I don't think that would have, you know, aligned with, you know, with who I say I want to be. Um, and sometimes we do have to make you know, choices that, you know, are hard, but they're for the better and maybe not for the betterment of myself, but for other people. And that, that brings me to another question. I was reading that compassion literally means to suffer together. So you're suffering alongside someone else. So how does that affect you personally? I mean, your, your mental and physical health, um, how do you, how do you stay healthy when you're being compassionate towards others definitely I think everyone um, self-care is different for everyone but I definitely think it's important it's important to understand our boundaries and um, and to name our boundaries and so something that I definitely do is you know turning to fitness Um, trauma lives in our bodies right and so whether or not that's the trauma that I've experienced or it's the secondary trauma that I'm experiencing from you know the stories that I'm hearing or the people that I'm serving with Um, We store that trauma in our bodies. And so, you know, one way, you know, to release that is just through exercise and through fitness. And so for that has been helpful for me. I also write a lot um, and, you know, just spending time with people who, um, you know, who know what I do, but we don't have to talk about that. We, you know, we can just be silly and laugh and, you know, do just do different things. And so I definitely think you have to just understand who you are and what brings life for you and just make sure that you're engaging in those um, activities. Okay. Well, good. Sounds like you've got it going on there. <laughs> <laughs> I work out a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so um, do you have a story from, from your past uh, that anybody that like stands out to you that was just extremely compassionate to you and, and really helped you? Yeah, I would definitely, you know, say my mom, um, probably the best woman ever in the whole world. Um, but you know, she laid down her life for me. Um, and you know, I wouldn't be here today, you know, where I am, I wouldn't have gone to high school, um, to Baylor if it wasn't for her sacrifices. Yeah. And so she really was a true model of love and compassion. Yeah. And so 
to have somebody like that in your life. I'm sure she has a huge influence on your direction. Yeah, she's awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, good. What about y'all? compassion <laughs> yeah role model someone you look up to you, you know I'm I'm gonna have to probably say I'm gonna have to say my mother as well um she was the most patient and kind gentle person and was always very accepting, um, very loving. And it had, well, it had a huge impact, of course, on me growing up. And, and it, it provided a, a role model, an excellent role model for if you want to be a good and compassionate woman, mother, then um, this, is, this is a good, a good way to do it. So, yeah. That's Yay. amazing. Yay, moms. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> what about you? Y'all want to go down there with me? Yeah. <laughs> Compassionate people in your life. <laughs> to, talk, to talk about compassion, I, I would um, I, I would talk about more, I guess, look at compassion as a, as, as a certain quality. And with compassion, I, I just know that there can't be compassion if there's a, if there's a cause. I'm, I'm, I'm compassionate because this compassion has no anchor to anything so i i, I don't say i'm i am um whatever I, whatever that is to me i mean it, it can be anything I, i'm this so i'm compassionate i uh, i study this so i'm compassionate and uh, so it's it's hard to really i mean i, I could give you some some uh, i'm gonna use the word superficial answer in, in my in my perspective of um someone that's compassionate but to look at someone's whole life, I mean, yeah, like my mom's compassionate towards me, but do I feel like she has a quality of compassion with with what that word really means, like a quality of love and what that really means in it? And it's easy for parents to show that just to us, but if we limit it and say, I have compassion for my kids, um, you know, I, I, it's hard to put into words, but I feel like compassion and love is, is definitely a quality of a movement with everything. There, it's There's not... I ha there's not a, a certain action or, or a, to say I you know to limit that compassion to your kid. If you're going to have a compassion with your kid, then what what is limiting us to to have that compassion for everybody that we see? Because so when I see my kid, I understand that um, I want to do what's best for my kid. I I see that the kid, my my son or daughter, has um, certain angst with the world, certain anxieties with the world, and so if I want to try to solve that within my children then I need to expound that to the whole world and say, okay, then this is not just uh, something that I feel for my kids. I feel this for everybody because then the compassion, it, 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 for me, that quality, that movement can't ever exist. It can't ever flourish. It won't ever flower because we're always just limiting every single thing. The word love, the word compassion, it, all these all these words turn into just words, and they don't turn into, hey, there's something deeper, a deeper movement, a different quality here that, that's total honesty with the way things are. There's not some kind of story I'm trying to tell you to make you feel better. There's there's honesty with, hey, people are violent, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not putting my trust in people. I'm not putting I'm, – I'm going to show total responsibility to myself, and I'm going to make sure that, uh, okay, although I have a great relationship with my kids, that I'm not still gossiping over here or saying that um, – we're Americans and, and 
for an example, and, and you know those are those are uh, radicals, and but they're fighting for their family too. So we we are all in this quality that I, I can't say is fully flourishing into this movement of of compassion, and, and not just a word or a definition or, or again a cause. And um, so I would I would say compassion is my my example of compassion. So to investigate that and to not put that necessarily on a human being because all of us, myself included, just with the brain, we, we limit that. And unless there's a, a, a very serious inquiring into, okay, I, I, I see that, I say I have compassion, but the world is full of conflict and, and I still have anger with my kids and frustration with my kids. So compassion can't exist with anger and with frustration. And, and we've been so conditioned to have that quality. And so I just ask, is there a different quality of that compassion, a different way of thinking about it, a different way of approaching uh, the problem that's, like you said well, earlier, where, where we approach problems with value and with money, and because it's so easy, and it's so easy to feel something from that, and compassion can't be a feeling neither, because it just, it ruins the whole thing. So it, it's a quality of movement. It, it's a very serious undertaking of, I'm going to find out, I'm, I'm not going to run away from suffering, I'm going to um, be aware of it uh, constantly. And um, so um, do, do people have glimpses of compassion? Yes, but... Um, it's very serious that we also say, I don't know what compassion is. Just like now we've come together to say, to say, to inquire. And, and although we've entertained certain words here and, and we show glimpses of compassion to say, I'm coming to the table saying, I don't know what compassion is. And, and I want to come together with you. I want to come together with more people and investigate together. And, and I'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah. so now we know what Josh thinks about <laughs> compassion. Yeah. That's, that's what this podcast is all about. Um, so what are, you know, moving along, what are your thoughts? If, if you had to try and define what compassion is to you, just kind of a, a working definition. Well, it was exactly what you, you know, shared up uh, earlier, you know, to suffer with um, that leads to action, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, yeah, compassion is, you know, suffering with someone else, um, and not necessarily because sometimes I don't, I don't think we can actually ever truly understand, you know, what someone else is going through, but we can listen and, um, you know, and we can hope, you know, do something about it, whether that's, you know, advocating on their behalf or whether that's just being a listening ear or being moved, you know, by that suffering, you know, to action. Mm -hmm. Um which brings me to something called a compassion collapse. I was watching the news this morning and this like volcano just exploded in on this little island, Togo. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was magnificent. It was this underwater volcano. It was just, you know, this big explosion, you know, leveled the town. It's isolated. Nobody can get to them right now to give them food, water, whatever. People have died. And I, you know, and I'm talking about myself here. I'm sitting here watching the news this morning, eating my cereal, drinking my coffee, and thinking, well, that's really too bad. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Togo's so far away. The the um the, you know, this is just too much. It's just too overwhelming. And um, we tend to be less likely to help 
in situations like that, you know, these like tsunamis or natural disasters or whatever, because there's just too much need. Do you ever run into anything like that when you just look at all of the children that need all this help that sometimes it's just, it's too much? Yes, I can get overwhelmed <laughs> pretty <laughs> easily. Um, you know, that's, you know, what researchers and really smart people have, you know, called compassion fatigue. Yeah. Um, and so definitely just would encourage people to, to understand what that truly is. Understand what compassion fatigue is. Understand what leads to it. Understand what burnout is, especially if you are in a helping profession, right? Because we can say the same thing um, with our experiences with COVID. It's just too Ooh, much. Good example. Um, yeah. It's too much, and I I just can't, right? And so that's a phrase that I, you know, I would say yeah. I can't. I can't do that <laughs> right now. Um, and that's okay. It's okay for us to recognize our boundaries. I got to that point um, with different aspects Um with, diff, you know, different opportunities that um, I've been doing of just, I don't know if I can, you know, do this anymore. Um, and you just have to take care of yourself, you know, take care of your boundaries. I took a break for four months and then I was like, I got to get back in there. You know, um, I don't know where that, you know, what where that's from. If that was just, I just needed a, you know, a four month break um well where that's all I did for four months was work out you yeah. know right so I just <laughs> you're I, working it out yeah yeah um I just took the little break that I needed um right we have to find our own ways of helping and I think sometimes it's easy for us to you know want to sometimes it's easy for us to look at maybe someone else and say I should be there mm -hmm. right I sh my life should look like theirs my um, standing in whatever job I have should be higher, you know, than it is, whatever, whatever it is, right? We're comparing when in reality, like, just stop comparing ourselves or stop wanting someone else's life and just live your own um, and do what you can do. You know, I talk to some people who are like, I can never do, you know, what you do. And I'm like, well, you don't have to. Because no. that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you know? doing it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and some people, you know, will say, um, I can never, yeah, I can never do this or do that. Well, do what you can do, whether that is, you know, as Josh, Josh was saying earlier, yeah, I don't have enough gonna time. He's going to be a CASA volunteer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have enough time to be an advocate. Can I be an ambassador? Well, yes, right? There's no... Um, I'm not more valuable than someone else just because I'm the program director um, or just because, you know, whatever it is. We're all valuable, um, and you're bringing what you have to the table, and that's important too. Because when you say something like that, first I would be aware that people are capable of helping themselves. So to then take on this responsibility that I'm over here and I have to I mean, the fact that we're aware of what's going on in the world, that, that's one thing. So I would ask, well, then why, why don't we, why aren't we united, not necessarily worldwide, but in my community? And then also to be aware that, am I feeling pity for those people or sympathy, which is not compassion? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big thing, but don't pity somebody. That's not, that's not compassion. And to be aware that people are strong and resilient. So yes, that's going on. It's unfortunate, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel this overwhelming need of suffering or this overwhelming uh, feeling of, I, I wish I was, uh, I wish I had magical powers. There's just like you, yeah, there's just me being in the moment and, and I feel that, that conflict. I mean, I, I feel that I, I think maybe what, what hurts people most is that guilt that 
deep down we're not being united just in my community. And, and really, that's all you should be aware of because, I mean, what can you do? And to look at the facts of that, yeah, I can't go over there. So it's not that I'm not concerned with that. To be concerned with that is to be concerned now right, with myself, with my responsibility, and with how I'm uh, – I don't want to use the word helping my community, but how am I going through my community again with no images about people, with no judgments about people, with not putting some fake? Because because what do you think about somebody is never really the the, the case. Everybody um, can put on the strongest man can put on this persona and be an MMA fighter, but they suffer too. They they have embarrassment too. They and so to look at everybody from that view, we're all the same in that situation in that sense, and. And then what is what will that do to you when, when you're saying, all right, I'm, I'm really serious about compassion and, okay, there's there's worldwide events that go on. Is that guilt within inside of me because I am perpetuating that in some way? You know, it, it takes it takes hardcore magnifying of, of, of yourself and of, uh, um, you know, not, not going to these studies of rats and monkeys, but study yourself, study people, study what's going on and, and, and just uh, watch that you are not being a hypocrite and, and so on, yeah. Yeah, and I and and you keep talking about Josh. You keep talking about uh, a connection between compassion and personal responsibility. So, either one of you, do you think there's this connection between personal responsibility and compassion? That could be real confusing. Yeah, because <laughs> well, well, I think because people when they when they hear responsibility, it's like okay, I need to go out. I need to make more money. Then I need to um, be responsible to these chores that society has put in, and that's something that I also look at too to say that it's unfortunate that. Uh, somehow man has built these societies because we can't govern ourselves. So we have a certain society that then puts a certain way that you have to act. I have to go out and make a living. I have to study for a career. So um, to to then feel guilty that I can't somehow save the world, you're not looking at the fact of what is. And and then to say, okay, I'm going to take that responsibility to not put my, my, um, how do my needs on the government, not to put my needs on somebody else. I'm totally capable and I'm, already self-fulfilled now I don't need somebody to fulfill me I don't need a, a child you know it's amazing everybody feels I have, to, I have to always say this everybody feels like they have to have a kid and why does everybody have to feel like because it's not my kid there's plenty of kids here there's casa right here so you feel you feel unfulfilled because you don't have a kid don't go out and try to make babies <laughs> because to say that's my kid is even unfair because okay you you had that kid but that's not your that's a human being that's not your kid so that's already an illusion that your brain has perpetuated and then saying your kid, you have possession with that kid. You're trying to run their life as a human being. So if I look at everything like that and I get rid of this whole or, or I find out the true meaning of family, which everybody would agree it's not blood. Family is is it's it's deeper than that. And so if I can believe that, then the kids at Casa, they're no different than a kid you, you had the other way. <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the boom boom <laughs> chupa chum yeah, yeah so, really. you know, <laughs> but um so so please like yeah so that responsibility of what's the meaning of family what's the meaning of love what are we what am, what is that that it's not the word it's you can't i mean we, we try to describe it here but it's it's a quality of movement in life and um yes i <laughs> yeah to me i think it speaks to um personal responsibility and like you were talking about just a few minutes ago about boundaries and okay, if I'm a responsible person and I'm responsible for myself, should I be, you know, reaching out to people? Should I be being compassionate to others? Or should I just be, you know, a good person and just 
go through life and not really worry about it. I, I mean, do you, do you think that we should all show a little bit more compassion towards others? I have a feeling your answer will be yes. <laughs> yeah, but My answer is we could. We could. Um, I um, really try to refrain from using words like should um, yeah. or, you know, asking questions such as why questions because I think sometimes that – um, perpetuate shame, like you should do this or you right. should know Superiority, better. I know better than you. I'm trying yeah. to help you out. And so, <laughs> so we could, right, at that moment, I could have um, shown more compassion, uh, you know, but I try to also not to use the word but, too, yeah. but, <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> it's hard. Um, and at that moment, um, I just did what I thought, I just did what was, you know, I thought was the best thing to do at that time. Maybe it wasn't really the best thing to do. Um, but at that time, I thought it was. And so that's something that a lot of people have. Um, and that doesn't come from me. That has been a lot of really amazing social workers and mentors that I've had who have, you know, guided me in that direction of, you know, avoiding, you know, some words, especially, you know, working with, you know, clients in, um, you know, people who are coming through hard situations of, I don't want to be another perpetuator of shame and guilt and pain in your mm-hmm. life. Um, and so, but to answer your question, I definitely think we could show more compassion. And one of my favorite quotes, um, and I'm forgetting the name because I always get nervous <laughs> when I'm on the spot, was, uh-huh. you know, um, you know, you can <laughs> choose to look the other way, but you can never say that you didn't know. And so Oh, I like that. Um, and that was one of the quotes. Um, I was, you know, had the privilege of actually teaching my first social work course this past semester um at Baylor. Oh, good and for you. I know. I loved Exciting. it. Exciting. And, you know, teaching my students of, you know, just get out there. Kind of, you know, some of the things that we even shared earlier in this podcast was just I want them to just get out there, just serve, get around people that are different from you. Um, get around um, situations that circumstances you've never experienced and just learn and recognize we're at the end of the day. And I think what Josh is trying to get to is we're all human beings and really we're all just one big family. So why are we withholding resources from other people? Why are we creating boundaries? Why are we dividing, separating when in reality we're way more similar than we realize and we all care about the same things. We all care about our families. We all care about the people that we care about. Um, Ryan, even when we're thinking about, you know, individuals who um, maybe we might hold less compassion for, right? So, you know, if we're thinking about um, people who have committed crimes, right? I try to avoid using words like, well, you're a criminal, mm-hmm. right? You're just an individual who experienced a hard thing and at, you know, one moment, committed a crime it's, it's the but you're brain not it's, not, it's not your actual mm-hmm. being or if you want to use this word soul it, it's not that it's not it's not i mean we all come from uh um from you know nothingness we all come from the infinite whatever, whatever label you want to put on it but you come from that and that's how i look at you i don't look at you from uh the brain conditioning and from the the trauma and these things that i know you act from but you're not really that and you have so much anger or you have so much uh the brain is just so powerful so when i can first understand how my brain has that control I mean, that's something to to first understand with people instead of, you know, always going through a class of compassion or a a class of some something. Uh, Let's understand the brain first. Just 
real quick yeah. and then let's move from there so that way you know that you're able to watch yourself. Yeah, you're able to catch your own biases. You're able to catch your own and look at people from that. Yeah, they're, 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 it's so easy to be your brain to, to be that, but but that's not what people are. So look at them from that 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 soul, if you want to call it, just to put a word on that. Where we really come from to say you're a child of God, that a child of this intelligence that has made the world, that has made the grass, the trees, and we're we're here together to, to just live together. And that's where it ends. To try to find my purpose creates conflict. Your purpose is just to move and, and to use people as far as um, we help each uh, I hate the word help too, but we, we, we we're we, in it together. We're working together. We're yeah. in it together. I, yeah. I, I, I just always use that analogy of, you know, we have microbiomes. We have living things inside of our body. Those living things, the trees, the li- those living things don't have these opinions and these ideas. They, they're just here to make the whole system not even work because these words start to, I think, really – put certain ideas in people's heads but you're just here to move enjoy quality of life and and just watch yourself that you're not always adding and adding and adding and add, i need to add a dog i need to add a i got a house i need a better house i need to add more air conditioner i need to add so the brain is already adding something so can i see that and stop that and know know that i'm fulfilled now i don't need somebody else i don't need a wife you don't need those things doesn't mean that if it comes along it just happens but to say that i'm looking to say that you you, you you're not enough and that I need a dog because I'm lonely or, you know what I'm saying? Like now you're, you're, you're letting the brain kind of take over in those moments because you are enough and it gets all into that, that kind of thing. But that's, that's true facts. I'm not trying to make anybody feel better. You, you are enough. You have intelligence inside of you that built the universe and that's a fact you came from that. And so however you try to start labeling it, what are you searching for? I mean, it's there and and, and it's over with and I'm, I'm complete right now. We are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a, a kind of a little bit different turn I, I want to take at this point. And That's I mean, great. maybe you've, uh, you know, seen this in other places. I, I don't think it's necessarily um, relates to, to CASA. But have you ever, and I mean, this is an ugly term, but have you ever heard of white savior syndrome? I have. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where, you know, um, you've got, unfortunately, a lot of religious organizations are guilty of this, where um, you get a lot of people that go on volunteerism, and, and they go in and their hearts are in the right place. They're really trying to show compassion. And they, you know, but we know better we don't have a lot of skills to really help you, but we're going to go down to Togo with the volcano that just exploded. And even though I don't know how to build a house, I'm still going to go down there and, you know, love on your babies or, you know, have a Bible school or whatever it is. Um, and it's it's just kind of almost this knee-jerk reaction of a person's, I think their hearts are in the right place, but are they doing more harm than good? And um, have you ever run into any situations like that? I kind of wanted to bring that up. Definitely. Um, I would say yes, I have, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, and I would say, you know, it's, a, you know it's, it's easier. It happens more often than we think, you know. Um, 
yeah, I would say it happens in missions work. It happens in um, just service, um, whether that's, you know, faith-based or whether, you know, or whether, you know, um, you're not necessarily going with a church or with like a missions, you know, focus group, you know, maybe you're going with Red Cross, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not throwing Red Cross under the bus. Yeah, really? <laughs> that, so I just, that was just a Apologies, thought. Apologies, yeah. Red Cross. <laughs> Please do not think that that's what I just did. Um, but I do think people, you know, sign up, yeah, with good intentions of the heart, you know, to serve. Um, but I don't like that word. Um mm-hmm. It can happen where, um, yeah, you're just not the, maybe you don't have the skill set, you know, that you need to truly help someone walk through the trauma that they just experienced. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean, right, there's just so so many different things that can come into play in situations like that. And so I, you know, this is just my personal opinion. Other people can have different, you know, thoughts, and that's okay. Um, I don't necessarily agree with short-term missions, um, if there's not a long standing um, thing that's going to stay after you, after you leave. Right. Because um, I just don't think, I don't, I think that is more harmful than it is helpful, um, especially if um, we're only going after one thing. We can say that we're here to serve, but if we're serving to get someone to believe what we believe, I don't think that's love. Um, and watching that, or is a superiority? I, I know better than you. I'm gonna come over here and tell you something because you're doing it all wrong, or guilt. And and those people with the volcano probably like, we can take care of ourselves. And now here comes you know quote unquote Americans. I'm not gonna say any races, but here comes the Americans, and they have motives, and they're trying to make us democratic, or they're trying to make us Christian. They yeah, they're gonna help us, but we know that they're coming down here to make themselves feel better, and we can take care of ourselves. And um, so coming from a place of guilt, or coming from a place of I know better than you. Um, when, when you know that that's, that's going on, then I get into this whole line of the art of questioning. Then I'm going to question that. And, and when the church says or whoever says we're going to go and we're going to go take a stand and, and fight the good fight, it's like I'm going to sit back and question that and be like, is that ne- actually necessary? And because, yeah, is it more harm than good? What are we trying to change? I mean, why do people don't like to be changed? Who likes to have somebody constantly... I don't ask for a bottle of water, but I'm giving you a bottle of water. I'm giving you food. I'm giving, I'm like, I'm not hungry. I'm not, stop giving me stuff. I don't want, I don't need your, your quote unquote help. And that's what I think that that's what that white support, whatever you said. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, and so, um, well, and I can give a specific example, um, you know, with that, you know, I don't, people, there are, you know, instances where people do need help. Um, and you know, yeah. But when it comes to the point where I'm saying, because I've served as an emergency aid worker, I was saying that earlier um, amongst refugees, and I just remember, and this is where I got solidified. So I am a Christian, and I believe in Jesus, uh, but I'm not going to impose my beliefs on somebody else, especially when I'm coming into their most vulnerable situation. Like that's just, for me, that's that's just not, you know, the time to do that. But I would watch my teammates, right? We set, we all signed up to serve and to give food and to walk with these individuals. And yet I would watch my teammates. If someone didn't accept Jesus, they never went back to their tent. Oh. And to me, that that's not, that's not compassion. And that's just wanting to impose your own beliefs on somebody where they, they're, they're living in a tent in a country that they don't speak the language they've never been to. And they're just mm-hmm. living in a tent, right? Like, they do need help. 
Um, they don't have documentation, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is, they're fleeing violence, right? I knew uh, the people I served watched, um, different groups literally murder their family members right in front of Mm -hmm. them. Right. So like, I'm not talking as if I don't know what I'm talking about. Like I've been with people in their most vulnerable, hardest situations Mm -hmm. and not once did I ever try to impose anything on them. If they just wanted to sit and cry, we literally would weep at the top of our lungs together because that's what they needed to heal and to grieve their experiences, right? I wasn't there to say my way of belief needs to be your way to find healing. Mm-hmm. Or my way of anything. Of anything. I'm just here for you. Yeah. What do you need? And let's do that together. You know what? I think that's the key in situations like that. Instead of coming in and assuming you know what they need, you go in and you ask them. Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. What can I do for you? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is. And so I'm not because I believe in let's let's go and let's serve, especially in times of crisis. Right. I Mm want to be a responder to tsunamis. I want to be a responder to volcanoes, Mm -hmm. you know, school shootings. I hope those, you know, these things don't happen, but they might. And I want to be someone who responds to those um, situations, but I want to do it in the way that is helpful for that individual and is not helpful for me. I'm not, I'm not in it for me, right? If I want to get something out of it, then it's not compassion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First do no harm. (laughs) And what what we would say, because we we use this word need and then it carries a lot of, uh, I use the word tradition or definition to different people, but are, are we, are you saying maybe not all of it? Cause some places, you know, in Africa or, or I mean, I'm assuming, but there's some places where food is not as scarce, but for the most part, are all of our problems psychological. So what people really need is, is a, some, some kind of um, uh, ground to talk to you as a human being. And, and I, I mean, it's hard to find the words, but psycho, I was in it there. I mean, is that what people needed? It's a psychological, our psyche is so um, messed up and, and we try, we're always on this pattern of moving away from and moving away from trying to become something. And there's uh, not just a, uh, and, and some people, of course, there's people with, with the trauma, but is the, the, the right way to solve this almost to, I think some people tend to think that we're on a search for, I, I don't want to have uh, the trauma or I want to be without um, the, the trauma and the memories, but those are, those are already biologically in you. Now, the, the question is, if uh, we start working together psychologically, can over the years, those start to fade, but can I work with those? You, you mentioned it earlier with, with something, but that though, just to recognize those are always going to be there. And is there something bigger that can overshadow that to make you have comfort in that moment or, or to realize that, okay, that's not me. The trauma's coming up, the, the PTSD is coming up, but I'm also... Now that I've went through it with people, I'm also aware that um, there's something bigger. I'm, I'm part of this infiniteness. I, got, I just got to go right into it. I'm part of this infiniteness and, and that intelligence that has grown everything. It's unfortunate that humans have built these uh, societies and these things that cause us to suffer and, and this confusion that causes the trauma. But to see it as that and have that have that compassion to see within myself that it's not no fault of my own or this is not who I am. Those are things that I went through, but who I really am is is this um, this intelligence that that and, and can I move out of the way and let that intelligence make these decisions instead of me feeling like I have to 
I make the decisions, which, you know, then you got to question, you got to more talk to people about who they really are. And I mean, grieve with them and, and those sorts of things. But there's also food doesn't solve the problem. Money doesn't solve the problem. Um, us being saying we're totally human beings. And when I talk to you, I'm not going to talk to you with trying to impose some kind of idea or some kind of uh, religion. I'm talking to you as a human being. And, and I want to more talk about, I think people make these abstractions. I want to talk to you about Jesus. or I want, But we're really saying I want to talk to you about intelligence, about love, about the same quality that's built everything is within us. And I want to talk to you from there and, and show you that, yeah, you can't rely on people. You can't, people right now, they are violent. They are these things. So to think that uh, you're suffering because your, your wife kicked you out and that every time you talk to her, she's mistrustful and she always brings these things up. Be like, yeah, go, go into it knowing that you, you can't change that about her. She is mistrustful and she, and she is these things. So when you talk to her, if you have those uh, moments to talk together again how are you going to do it differently and we have all this time on our hands we watch tv and we fill ourselves with entertainment and we don't sit down and say i want to find out what love is i want to find out what compassion is i want to be so self um sustainable that i don't need nothing in my life i need food i need water yeah 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 but um i don't need somebody to fill that void for me i think there's a lot in there yeah, uh, yeah. and i i want <laughs> to I have, a, lot, I have a few no that's <laughs> okay. great i have a few responses but i, mm -hmm. I you know I would encourage you um, to continue reading and continue exploring because I, you know, as you're talking, I'm hearing this theory pop up. Well, I guess, and this I guess, theory, the, I guess the main theory. thing is I'm not trying to get rid of the trauma. I'm trying to learn how to find some quality of this word love that that can overshadow that. So when that comes up, there, there's not this sense of oh, that's me and my life sucks. And my, yeah, and my definitely. Sober. And you yeah. know, and one thing you know, I definitely agree with and have mm -hmm. been taught is separating people from the problems, right? And so I think oftentimes, you know, just in, you know, how we create systems and how we create organizations and um, and even just when we have a lack of compassion, what's happening is that we're saying you're the problem when right. in reality they're yeah. not the problem, right? The problem's the problem, whatever it is, poverty, uh, hunger, racism. Society. The problem War, is the problem. Yeah. The people. People are still people. So how do we separate those things? And, you know, I would actually probably disagree with Josh, you saying uh, great, we can't yeah. change people because that's just that is the basis. Well, of I said like over work. a couple of years or something like that. But yeah, but, but, I, but, I but to show people change. that we're not there's not an instant like, oh, my trauma is gone or my yeah. my my, uh, my habit of energy drinks is gone. I mean, to, to put to, to, sh to show that that root level and everything we do, we, you're, you're not trying to go find religion to get rid of your thoughts or whatever. You're, you're, you're trying to find a quality of love that just is bigger than all of that. Yeah. So you move from that. And so um, just a theory that I, um, you know, have based a lot of my work around is um, from a licensed professional counselor named Bonnie Martin. And she's amazing, um, very intelligent. But she has this theory. And again, there's many different theories mm -hmm. out there. And so that's why I'm just encouraging yeah, you to go and, and learn. But one of the theories I base a lot of my work around is her theory around human behavior and her, you know, sharing that there's only three motivators of human behavior, right? And so those are to avoid pain, mm -hmm. right? As human beings, we avoid pain, like we just want to. Um, and it's, it's um, something that is um, taught in our media, it's taught in just in everything, avoid pain, stuff your emotions, blah, 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 blah. Um, avoid pain, experience connection, and um, experience pleasure, right? That these are the three things that are motivating us. And so when we look at an individual and, 
you know, and this is, you know, what I would teach a lot. I don't ever have to ask a survivor of human trafficking, why did you stay? That's a question always, 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 always someone will ask the survivor, why did you stay with that person? Why did you stay with your perpetrator? First of all, we don't want to ask why questions, right? Because they bring about shame. And second of all, we don't actually have to ask them those questions if we understand what motivates human behavior. You stayed because that person has confused you with love and violence. And so, yeah, it was really, really hard at some points. But then at other points, that individual actually, you know, showed you, maybe showered you in love. And that's what you're fight. That's what you're trying to hold on to is that maybe those small moments of love that you experience because maybe you've never experienced those anywhere else. When we understand, when we don't ever have to ask the, you know, a person a question why are you still using drugs, right? Because we understand that drugs activate the pleasure centers in our brains and we just want to continue feeling pleasure, mm-hmm. right? And so I think sometimes we ask a lot of questions of why, 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 you know, when in reality we're, we're, all, just, we're all just human and we're all motivated by the, same, by the same things, even if I don't necessarily agree with what you did or didn't do, I can understand it because I can understand what is motivating. I, think, that, I think, think that's a good place to, to almost start wrapping it up because what you just said, finally, this is what's good about talking with people. You get to a place of that's compassion. Study yourself and stop. When I study myself and I see these motives within myself, can I just do I drop those motives? And then when I see somebody else that I, you understand those motives within them. So we're getting now to that. This is what I wanted to do and put into words, compassion, that responsibility to myself to study myself and not to go to research and say, this is what the monkeys do and this is what rats do and this is the behavior of that, but to look at myself first and then when I see that I run from pain and that I'm always chasing pleasure, then drop it. Stop chasing pleasure. You can stop having motives when you live life. Within myself, I study myself. I see these things that, that, that create this conflict and so then I drop it. I don't expect others to drop it because I'm aware of that within them. So now when I talk to people from compassion, from studying myself and then, and then dropping these things that I see perpetuate conflict, the, the need to always want more and so on, I can now communicate with somebody from a, way, from a place of people feel that I don't have any motive trying to help you. I don't have any motive trying to do anything for you. Somehow we've crossed paths and I'm in a situation, I'm in a social worker position. I'm in, I'm in just an ordinary guy position. And when I, when I cross paths and and I'm not going out trying to talk to every homeless person, but if a homeless person waves me down, I don't have a fear or an image. I've already studied myself enough to realize these automatic responses that pop up. And so that's what I would, I would love to start wrapping up with that. Study yourself, study your, your, your um, responses, study look at the outward and, and study people and study and if that's the right word, but, and then from there, are you willing to just drop it and be everything you do is totally unselfish. I'm not, I'm not helping you because I'm looking for fulfillment. I'm not helping you for this. We've crossed paths and now I'm talking to a human being because I've already studied myself. So I know what compassion is in a certain capability. Um, uh, uh, compassion, cause I know compassion is just a human word that, I'll, I'll, to find out if things exist, I always look at, if you take, take humans away, does it still exist? exist? Um, these words, compassion and love, and, and I would say yes. And then modeling my behavior from that, love is without cause, love is without motive, love is totally unselfish. So great, great. Uh, I like the way this all kind of yeah. culminated too. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, my takeaway mm-hmm. is 
don't ask why questions. <laughs> no, I, I'm, 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 I'm serious. Don't ask why questions. You made a really excellent point there. And uh, my takeaway from Josh, of course, is... Well, ask yourself why, why? Like, why am I chasing pleasure? Why am I... But when you're dealing with trauma, I mean, I, yeah. we're, I think we're, we're putting it in context because, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then with Josh, it's, it's always... Um, Josh and I have a lot of conversations. It's, it's always be introspective. Know yourself. Watch yourself. Question, question check yourself. Doubt. Question yeah. yourself. So... I have a since it sounds like we're we're wrapping things up here. <laughs> what do you have um, to? Uh, I, I have I have a couple of quotes. See awesome. if you agree. All right. <laughs> See if you agree with it. I them. like quotes. Okay. Yay! Funny. It says here. Oh, there. Yeah. Hmm. If you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. True. I like it. True. False. I like it. Find yes. the, find the fire of compassion. Find out what compassion means, and then yes. 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 Find yeah. out seriously, strongly, intensely. Yes, and um, another one here and by the Dalai Lama. He's just so quotable. <laughs> Each of us in our own way can try to spread compassion into people's hearts. Western civilizations these days place great importance on filling the human brain with knowledge, but no one seems to care about filling the heart, the human heart, with compassion. And so I think there's truth to that as well. I agree. Anything else? Do you have any questions or comments? I don't. I've just had a wonderful time. Thank yeah, I appreciate you. I'm so you. glad. <laughs> and what a, what a great example of coming together and thinking together without, we, we can disagree, but no, who knows? Nobody knows. So we disagree. Well, great. I flipped and some tables over here. Oh, no. So I was so mad. <laughs> no, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but this, this is, uh, I think, it, I always say if humans had to do one thing right, this is, this is all you can do is talk to somebody and say, I don't know, and I want to think with you about, What's going on? What, what these words we have and these, uh, these, this quality we're trying to be, the unity, the wholeness. Yeah. Oh, and volunteer. Thank you. Volunteer yes. for CASA. Yeah. Volunteer with CASA. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. How about uh, a phone number or a website? I mean, is it like CASA.com? Yeah, yeah. So it's um, CASAforEveryChild.org. Um, and then I don't have our number memorized. You got Google, though, baby. But so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can Casa literally Waco, just Texas, Google CASA McLennan County. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank y'all both so much. I, I think we're done. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. 